The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Well, good morning. Glad to have you all with us today. And we'll continue our study in the Christian life, and we're talking about uh, the believer's disposition toward doctrine. And uh, Par- Pastor has begun a, a, a sub-series on Sunday night, which deals with doctrine, and I mentioned to him that um, it's, it's really interesting because I, I've just finished up a, a, a long session on, on our doctrine, and he's going to come in right behind. And I hope he doesn't disprove everything I said, but that's always the risk. But no, no, I'm not worried about that at all. But um, we can never learn enough about doctrine. I think that's important, that we, 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 we need to have a firm understanding of our doctrine. And of course, um, we all know that doctrine means what? Teaching. So the doctrine to which we submit our lives and our hearts and minds is the teaching that we receive on spiritual things. And it's very important that we be taught correctly, that we, we are taught the right things, and that we understand them, and, and that we apply all the doctrines that we are taught as God designs them to strengthen us and to equip us and to educate us, and, and so we, we do those things. But last, last time we met, I, I, gave us, I gave us two attitudes that we should have toward Good doctrine. I said, number one, that we are to receive good doctrine. Uh, of course, it goes without saying that we, to, we are to examine doctrine. We are to examine our doctrine and make sure that what we are being taught is correct. That what we are being taught agrees with God's unchanging word. Uh, but once we are able to put... Um, Put the, our doctrine to the test, then then we can then we should accept that doctrine and receive that doctrine as truth, and we should receive it and apply it to our lives. And secondly, we said that we are to obey sound doctrine. So this is something when I was first saved, I, I needed to learn because I had differing opinions from God's word, as I'm sure probably all of you did. There were some things I learned when I, when I got saved. There were some things I learned from Scripture that did not match my philosophies in life. So what, what should I do? Should I search out a church that agrees with philosophy so I can come to church every Sunday and hear the preaching and never have to make a change in my life and I feel great and I feel good because I'm doing the right thing? No, no, no. We change our philosophies to agree with the philosophies of God as found in his word. And so we obey scripture. We obey doctrine. Even if we don't like to do it. We obey it. We do what it tells us to do. Because it is God's word. It is doctrine. It is the teaching that Jesus intended for us to have. So today. We're going to continue talking about the believer's disposition. By looking at number three. And that is. Our attitude is that we are to continue in true doctrine. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 24, 
we read, Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. Now, I think it's important that we understand that what John is saying here when he says that when you have heard from the beginning, he's talking about from the beginning of your eternal, of your salvation, from the moment you were saved. You were, you were saved and, and the things you were taught once you became a child of God, from the, from the beginning of this new creation, from the beginning of this new life, we are to, we are to continue in those things. So the context of this passage of scripture is dealing with the doctrine of perseverance. Um, now, perseverance is a doctrine that a lot of people don't like to talk about. Uh, a lot of our Baptist brethren don't want to even talk about perseverance. Uh, and if they do, they want to give you a very hollowed out, shallow, diluted version of what perseverance means. But what, what John is saying here is that we're to persevere in the truth that we have learned, that we are to continue. We're not to quit. Now, uh, on your study sheets there, uh, I have a, in, in a box, I have the definition of the perseverance of the saints. So I'm going to give you these, and uh, if, you, if you miss any of them, come see me after service and I'll, I'll fill it in for you. So what do we believe concerning the perseverance of the saints here at Berean Baptist Church? We believe this, that all who are truly regenerated, effectually called, internally sanctified, and genuinely converted by the Holy Spirit through the grace of God, shall persevere by grace unto the end, and shall be eternally saved, or shall never finally and totally fall, so as to perish everlastingly. Let me read that again. That all who are truly regenerated, effectually called, internally sanctified, and genuinely converted by the Holy Spirit through the grace of God, shall persevere by grace unto the end, and shall be eternally saved, or shall never finally and totally fall, so as to perish everlastingly. Now this statement is in our statement of faith. It's what we believe as believers here at Berean. We believe that true believers persevere. Now that's not to say that along the way we don't fall. And, but we never, if you look at the end of it, we do not finally and totally fall. We, we go through difficulties. We go through hard times our faith is tried, our faith is tested, and we might stumble, we might trip up. But we believe that someone who is truly saved has been equipped by God to persevere. And that they shall persevere by the grace of God. True believers continue in the Son and in the Father, as John stated in our text verse. It has historically been the position of Baptists that the true evidence of salvation appears in the holy fruits of repentance, faith, and newness of life. So down through the ages, down, 
What did, what did John say? Can anyone, can anyone tell me what John the Baptist said when the Pharisees came to him? Show me your what? Fruits of repentance. Didn't he? He said, you hypocrites, show me your fruits of repentance. In other words, show me your, your works. Show me your life. Show me that you are persevering in Christ and in the Father. So, this has historically been the position of Baptists. My father argued with me once that John the Baptist was a Catholic. I said, Dad, why didn't they call him John the Catholic? I mean, Baptists have believed this all the way back from John baptizing in the Jordan River. And so, it's been our historical position that we persevere. And the evidence of our true faith is that we do not utterly fall, and we do not fall back into the world and live lives that dishonor our Father. Now again, we will fall. If you haven't fallen yet, get ready, because you will fall at some time. Peter fell, didn't he? And Peter saw Jesus. Peter touched Jesus. Peter interacted with Jesus on a personal sense, yet he fell, didn't he? But he didn't stay fallen. He, he came back to his faith. He came back to his father. And he continued. And, and that's, what, that's what we're talking about here. Um, we have been changed forever. When, when, I, when I got saved on November 29th, 1981, I was eternally changed. Forever. My life has not been the same since that day. And... I have never been able to live my life with anything other than Christ in mind. Um, so we are this this truth of salvation eternally changes us, and it changes our outlook, and it changes everything about us. And if it doesn't, if you're no different today than you were before you got saved, you better you better stop and take take stock, because. Salvation changes us. And, and that's the truth in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, today, modern fundamentalists declare that repentance from all sin is not necessary for salvation and that the perseverance of the saints as a doctrine of practice, is not evidentiary of salvation. And of course, if your theology declares that you have veto rights over the will of God, then I guess you could make such a declaration. In other words, they, they don't feel that we need to be repentance, uh, that we need to repent of all sin. They, they feel we only need to repent of the sin of unbelief. And, and that's, that's an easy thing to say, but it doesn't, it doesn't coincide with the word of God. However, when you stand on the truth that faith and uh, repentance are holy of God's grace and are in no way the independent works of man, then you must acknowledge that repentance of all sin is a necessary component of salvation. Uh, I've had people that 
I've had fundamentalists who, who have told me that I'm wrong. Uh, there was a, a lady, a, I had a, a, a young boy who rode my bus, and his mother, um, she trusted Christ and, and was saved. And she asked me if I would come by her house and witness to her husband. But she told me, she said, you're going to have to come early in the morning because he is an alcoholic. And she said, if you don't come early in the morning, he'll be drunk by 10 a.m. And so I told her, I said, well, I'll, when I leave the bus meeting next Saturday morning, I'll come straight to your house and we'll witness to your husband. And, and we did. We went, we went to the house and I witnessed to the man. And he was very, he, he listened and, and he heard me. And I got to the point, I said, now, in order for you to, to be saved, you are going to have to repent of all the sin in your life. Of everything that you know to be sin, you must repent. And I said, now, to repent means to turn away from and forsake. In other words, I said, you're going to have to forsake drinking. You're going to have to repent of drinking. And he wouldn't do it. He would not, he would not, he, he, at, at that moment I saw his facial expression change and he closed up and wouldn't listen anymore. When we left, the, the person that was with me began to rail on me and saying, you, 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 you're not supposed to do that. He said, you added something to salvation other than faith. You added a work, a repentance as a work. I looked at him and I said, What? You think that, I said, do you honestly believe I can sit there and witness to a man who, who has the sin of, of alcoholism in his life and I, I'm not supposed to even mention that sin? And I'm supposed to let that man think that he can get saved and yet it's still and continue to embrace the sin in his life? And, and this is where we are today. The majority of, of even our Baptist brethren out there do not agree with us in this matter of perseverance. They do not agree with us in this matter of the need for repentance. The Arminian theology has corrupted many Baptists today. And many Baptists replace repentance of sin with, now listen to this carefully, confession of sin. They say, you don't need to repent, you just need to confess. In other words... Uh, man becomes aware of God and synthesizes faith by his own consciousness. He then, realizing his condition, confesses his sinful state to God and asks God for salvation. Then God, who has been patiently waiting and attentively waiting for someone to ask him, saves his soul. And this is what they teach. You've got to confess your sin. Well, I agree, you need to confess your sin, but you need, to, you need to repent of it first. Modern theology removes repentance of sin from salvation. They, in truth, though they would never admit it, replace repentance with confession. Yet, historically, Baptist theology has maintained that repentance from sin is inseparable from regeneration. Why is this so important, you might ask? Well, it is important because confession does not require repentance. You might want to write that down. Confession does not require repentance. 
I, I worked with teenagers for a long time. And you can imagine, if you have a teenager, you can imagine that I, 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 I've seen a lot of teenagers confess to something but have absolutely no remorse about it and not repent about it. It's, it's very easy. It's, it's easy to get someone to confess to something, but to get them to repent of it is something altogether different. And this is where we find most doctrine in the, in the fundamental camps, and it's not just Baptists, but many others today. You hear this confession of sin, confess your sin, confess, 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 confess. But you can probably go to a year's worth of services and never hear the word repent. Yet that's what John the Baptist said in the Jordan River. Repent. That's what, he, that's what he preached. He preached repentance. And that's where Baptists need to get back to today. We need to get back to preaching Repentance. Admission of guilt does not equate to remorse, nor does it imply intent to change by their theology. And listen, you know, do you know how many criminals cut deals today with prosecutors? They, they say, okay, I'll confess to this. Or the, the, the prosecutors will say, if you confess to this, then we'll, we'll give you this. And, and there's no remorse on the part of the criminal. There's no repentance. He just sees it as, a, as, a, as a, a shorter sentence or a lesser penalty. So he opts for it. And he has no true repentance. And, and this is where we see it. By their theology, you could be saved without ever repenting of one sin. So if you can be saved without repenting of sin, then you can obviously continue in sin after you get saved. Right? Wouldn't that make sense to you? If you don't have to repent of sin to be saved, then you, you can continue to sin after you're saved and be perfectly all right. Now, all of that that I've said so far was to say this. True believers will persevere through this life. True believers will persevere through this life. A true believer will continue in the doctrine of Christ. He cannot do anything else. It's not because he's better than anyone else. It's simply because it's the way he's now made. Remember, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old man's still there, but the new man also resides. And the new man will never allow you to be comfortable in sin. He never will. The new man, the new creation of God will never allow you to do wrong and, and, and feel no remorse about it and, and, and feel no guilt about it. Your conscience will, will eat away at you and you will, you will be forced. Even, you, can't, you can't even stop it. You are going to be forced to come to Christ and repent and confess and ask for cleansing. So true believers will persevere through this life. In Matthew chapter 7, we read, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits, by their works, by their life. Do men gather grapes of thorns, or figs of thistles? 
Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. An apple tree produces what? Does it produce bananas? Hmm? You wish? You have apple trees in your yard? An apple tree produces apples. It doesn't produce pineapples. It doesn't produce grapefruits. It doesn't produce bananas. It produces apples. Now, I'm not an arborist, so I, don't, I, can't, I can't just look at a tree and identify it. I wish I could. I think it's pretty cool, but I can't. But if I see an apple hanging in a tree, you know what I say? That's an apple tree. If I see lemons hanging in a tree, I know it's a lemon tree. And so forth. So we are known by what we produce. And true believers produce works of righteousness. We produce fruits of righteousness. Now that's not to say that a true believer can't at times produce some pretty sour it's still going to be an apple, but it might be, it might be all wormy, right? It, it might be a, an orange tree. It might be an orange, but it could be rotten inside. Okay, so, but, but it still produces its own fruit. So we, we know this to be true. Every tree, it's Luke, in Luke chapter 6 we read, For every tree is known by his own fruit. For thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. Every tree is known by its own fruit, and every man is known by his works. The true believer will endure. He will not fall away from the Lord. He might drift away, but he's not going to fall away. In Matthew chapter 24, we read, And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And we see that today, don't we? And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And we, we know this to be true. This is, why, this is why I cannot condone these reports that I see of thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people saved but none remain. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't, I can't believe that. Oh, I, I don't doubt that they, have, that they generate crowds to come down the aisle and, and, and make a, a confession of faith in God, but no, no repentance of sin, no change in their lives. They, they leave that place. The only thing they are is a, a sanctified sinner instead of a, instead of a converted sinner, and they're self-sanctified, by the way. I can't condone that. It's not the work of the Holy Spirit because when the Holy Spirit touches a heart, it changes. My life—I I, I said this already—my life completely changed, completely. I look back at the last 35 years and, and, and 
if you'd have talked to me 36 years ago and told me this is, this is where my life would be, I would have thought you a fool. I didn't even like religion. I hated religion. I wanted nothing to do with churches. I thought everybody, I thought everybody that had anything to do with church was nothing but a hypocrite. I had no desire. Now, I didn't hate God. Let me say that. I, I didn't hate God. I believed in God. I just, I just never felt that I was the type of person that God would ever want to have anything to do with. But when God, touched, when, when God quickened my dead soul and he regenerated me and the Holy Spirit led me to repentance and faith and I was born again and saved, my life, changed and it cannot go back to what it was before many times in the last 35 years I've thought about that I've thought about well maybe I can just maybe I can just give it up maybe I can just quit you know just go on back and live my life and not worry about I can't do that I don't know if you can but I'm gonna tell you I can't There's something inside of me that will not let me do that. And that something inside of me is the Lord Jesus Christ. He won't let me do it. I can't condone that kind of belief. That you you can just make a little confession. Lord, I believe you're God. And... And, and then walk away and continue to live a life of sin and, and, and have no repentance, no remorse. I, I, I'm sorry, I'll never believe that. And the reason I won't believe it is what Jesus said in John 15. He said, ye have not chosen me. Did you hear that? Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I ordained you. I, 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 I decided that you would go forth and that you would, would live a life that honors and glorifies me. And, and your fruit will show forth and your fruit will remain. And, and for, for these last 35 years, as I sat in church services and heard preaching and be, became convicted about something in my life that needed to change, I changed it because I must change it. I have to change it. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're all looking at me like, huh? I mean, I can't answer for you, but I can tell you this. I can't hear truth and not act upon it. Because there's something inside of me that makes me act upon it. It's the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of truth. And I cannot quieten that spirit. I don't want to quieten that spirit, by the way. I want that spirit to speak. You have not chosen me, Jesus said. I have chosen you. Many supposed evangelicals, including Baptists, reject this position today. They argue that, our, that they argue that our theology kills soul winning. Yet, they cannot argue their position with Scripture. So they resort to rewriting history and mock and belittle the teachings of true theology. 
Perseverance is the daily duty of every believer. Just as prayer, our praise, or our praise we have a duty to endure. We are to stand for truth and practice the same each day. And this we must do with all due diligence, lest we fail. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. As God's children, we are to live our life every day with the goal of glorifying Him. What do we have today in our society? We have, we have people who, who come to church and, and, and all of their spiritual life is involved in Sunday. Maybe they come to Sunday school and morning and evening service. But that's it. That, that 24-hour period is the only time in their whole week that they're going to focus on Christ. The rest of the week they're going to focus on their career, on, on their job, on their hobbies, on their entertainment. They put God, they come, they come home on Sunday night, they take God, they put Him on the shelf, and they go on about their life. And then they come back to God next Sunday morning pick him up and take him and go back to church, come home, lay him down, and go about the same thing. But listen, let me tell you something. Persevering is a daily experience for a believer. Our faith is challenged every day. It's tested every day. Every day we're tempted to do something wrong. Every day we're tempted to forsake truth. Every day we're tempted to, to do something that would, that, would, that would shame the name of God. Every day we are. And how we handle that is important, and it's our duty as believers every day to persevere. Now, how can we accomplish this? I've got five minutes to give you four points, and I'm going to do my best. So here we go. Number one, how can we accomplish this? How can we daily um, endure for Christ? Number one, pray for God's protection. Pray for God's protection. Luke chapter 21, verse 36. Watch ye therefore, and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. Every day we are to pray for God's protection. Yesterday's protection won't help you today. Today's protection won't help you tomorrow. Every day you need to start your day by asking God to help you throughout that day to, to stand for Him and to glorify Him. Pray for God's protection. Number two, submit to God's sovereignty. Submit to God's sovereignty. Luke chapter 22, we read, And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus yielded to the sovereign will of of the Father. And you and I must do the same. We must submit to God's sovereignty over our life. This is what Paul meant when he said, having therefore food and raiment, be content with such things as you have. What causes a lot of Christians to fail is their desire to have more. And their desire to have more will cause them to forsake God's will and pursue their own. 
And, and I, I understand, and, and I know you do too, that God gives us everything we need. And that God provides for us all things. And so we need to just learn to submit to God's direction and submit to God's sovereignty in our lives and, and not rebel against Him and not take up our own agenda, but follow the will of God. Pray for God's protection. Submit to God's sovereignty. Number three, serve in God's strength. Serve in God's strength. Not in your own strength, but in the strength of God. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 30 and 31. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Just, just serve God. Serve Him every day. We serve Him by, by obeying Him. We serve Him by worshiping Him. We serve Him by, by doing the right things. And, and sometimes that gets hard. And sometimes it's, it's not easy. But we wait upon God and we trust in Him by doing steps one and two, by praying for God's protection and submitting to God's sovereignty, we will be able to serve in God's strength. Not in our strength, because if we serve in our own strength, we're going to grow tired and weary and quit. But when we serve in God's strength, even though we're tired, and even though we're weary, we don't quit. How many of you here have have been there? How many of you have been really tired and weary? Don't be ashamed to admit it. I mean, you've had times when you've, you, you, you've said, I just, I just can't do this anymore. I just cannot do this anymore. And that's when you come to realize, you're right, you can't do it, but Christ can. And we lean on Him, don't we? We say, Lord, I, I don't think I can do this, but it's Your will that I do it, so I'm going to do it. And Lord, I'm just going to lean on You. You help me. And He has. Oh, I could stand here. I'd need 24 hours to tell you all the things I could tell you about this one thing. Serve in God's strength. And then number four, rest in God's righteousness. Matthew chapter 11. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest in God's righteousness. Not your own. Don't stand on your own righteousness. Don't come before God and and offer up your works and your accomplishments. Have the mindset of Paul who said, but by the grace of God I am what I am. Paul knew that anything that he'd ever accomplished in his life wasn't by his own strength, wasn't by his own effort, wasn't by his own righteousness, but it was by the righteousness of Christ which dwelleth in him. If uh, If you have the ability to To do right, you have that ability, not because of yourself, you have that ability because of Christ in you. And you better understand that. And you better know that. Because as soon as you start getting too proud and start thinking you're standing on your own, God might say, okay, well, let's just see how you do on your own for a little while. I'll just step back and let's let you go. And by the way, we've all been down that road too. You can sit there and look at me and try to pretend like, what? What? Yeah, we've all been down that road. 
God has done things for us. We got proud. Oh, look what I did. And all of a sudden, we wake up one morning, and we're out there all by ourselves, and we're getting beat up one side and down the other. And that's when we run back to, to God and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Yeah, you are sorry, but I'll forgive you. Rest in God's righteousness. So many today are trying to carry a load they cannot bear. I cannot endure without the grace of God. I will not endure without the work of the Holy Spirit. I will lay this burden at the feet of Jesus and I will take up his yoke and do what he has called me to do. We're to continue in in true doctrine. So let's go forth and listen, folks. Every day, every day, persevere. Just keep going. When you confront the world, when you confront the devil, when you confront your own flesh, just declare, I am a child of God. And I will glorify God by all that I say and do. And endure. Persevere. Persevere. All right, folks, that's it. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church. 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.